So that's actually going to share about this week is remembrances. And the Israelites used to set up altars, not just for sacrifice, but altars to remember of times that God was just super faithful to them, that lessons that they learned that they wanted to remember so that they would continue to walk out. Um, sometimes um, I'll, I'll have these moments where God just reveals this like amazing truth, this aha, and I might remember about it for a few days or even a few weeks, but eventually I get caught up in the busyness and it just slips away and I forget how thankful I am and how I really want to remember to walk out these truths. And so I have a friend in Georgia and she collects paintings. Every time God really speaks something amazing to her, she'll buy a painting and put it on her wall. And it's that daily reminder to her of what God really spoke in a season. I know Pastor Tom writes it in his Bible. He underlines things, puts dates to help him to really remember those particular seasons. Um, Kenny journals, he's so good at, at journaling. Um, and then he'll go back through and read it just to be encouraged about what the Lord has spoken to him. So I don't really have room in my house for rocks like the Israelites. And we're not really at the place to be purchasing art. And my journaling is inconsistent at best. So um, for me, what the Lord has been doing for, to helping me to remember are necklaces. So I brought my necklace tree today. And I'm going to share with you um, how the Lord speaks to me um, through that. So my sister Sarah actually started me on this journey of remembering things. Um, we were going through a super um, tough time, part of our Ukrainian adoption, and um, we had to really learn to die to self. And Galatians 2.20 became just, just so powerful in our lives. It's really what um, God just revealed to us in such a, a big, big way. And it says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So this necklace, it's actually, I wear it a lot, so it's on its second chain. Um, but it says in there, um, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Allowing my flesh to die, Christ to live through me, has just been a really defining power in my life. And whenever I know I've got a day ahead that's going to be super tough, long days with draining people or draining circumstances, or uh, like rain for days and days with 11 kids inside, um, I'll wear this necklace to help me to remember that it's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And we just look at the cross, and Jesus never ran out of love. He never ran out of patience. He never ran out of forgiveness. And that same power is at work in me. Romans 8, 11, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead is in you. That power is at work within you. And that's a powerful power to have in us. Um, I have a lot of children, and as you can imagine, not every moment is filled with butterflies and sunshine. Um, we have what I call sibling moments, where so-and-so did this, and so-and-so did that, and he called me this. And sometimes they can get really creative with their name calling. I have to admit that sometimes I have to bite the end of my, side of my mouth to not laugh at some of the creativity that they come up with. One of my, one of my favorites right now, it's a good one, is um, little Jacob calls Anna Grace his darling. And he'll wake up in the morning and he'll go, good morning, darling. And it's just so adorable. But unfortunately, usually the name calling goes in the opposite direction and can be negative and degrading. And for some reason, they think I'm the referee to fix it all. 
And this is what I hear. Mom! So-and-so this. They call me that. They did this. And so what I'm really working on with them, as pertains to Galatians 2.20, is for them to die to self, to let Christ live in them, to be quick to say I'm sorry and quick to forgive. That's the number one lesson that we're learning at home right now. Quick to say I'm sorry, quick to forgive. Because like Galatians 2.20 says, you know, our flesh just wants to hang on to offense. But our flesh is what? It's dead. It's been crucified with Christ. So I'm just calling for our children to be unoffendable. Because Jesus didn't give up when people called his name, when names, awful, horrible names. He didn't give up when he was kicked physically, emotionally, psychologically. He didn't give up. He kept his love on. He kept forgiving. He kept loving. So how are you guys doing with that? Quick to say I'm sorry. Quick to forgive. Sometimes my kids will get really mad at somebody and they'll stomp off, uh-oh, can't stomp, stomp off to their room and they will slam a door, go to their room, and I'm being really loud, sorry. This is what it sounds like. It's really like they start missing out on the joy that's going on upstairs. They start missing out on um, just something fun that we have going on. And so I just want to challenge you guys. Are you missing out on joyful moments because of unforgiveness? Are you missing out on the fullness of life because you're offended? If so, I challenge you to let it go. We all know right now, let it go, right? Let it go, let it go. Um, so I just challenge you, just let that song play in your head when you're holding on to unforgiveness or, or being offended. Just let it go. It's keeping you from the fullness of life. In family, we have to get to a place of forgiveness because we're all crammed into one house and eventually you're going to get over it and we know that. But sometimes in the body of Christ, we get offended or we carry unforgiveness and instead of dealing with it, we just go away. So I just challenge you as I challenge my kiddos, be quick to say I'm sorry and quick to forgive. Galatians 2.20 is also about living in surrender. Christ lives in me. It's a daily living and sacrifice to Christ while living out your dreams. I'm really thankful that I'm living out my dream. I've got all these amazing children from all around the world, and it's incredible, but it's also super exhausting. I cannot do it in my own strength. Absolutely cannot. It requires more than I can give. The only way I can survive and live in abundance is through surrender. Jesus living through me. Trusting and being thankful in the middle of the impossible goes beyond the natural. It's living in the supernatural. So living in surrender unlocks supernatural power in your life. Living in surrender unlocks supernatural power in your life. It allows you to be thankful in all circumstances, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, to have peace that passes all understanding, Philippians 4.7, and to be able to do all things through Christ, Philippians 4.13. So if anyone would like to symbolically put this necklace on today, put your hand on your heart and repeat after me. God, it is no longer I who live, but you who live in me. I choose to live in surrender, unlocking supernatural power in my life. 
So how do we walk this Galatians 2.20 life out? Like how do I really allow Christ to live through me on a daily basis? Because some days it's really easy for my to-do list to overwhelm me, to stomp me down, and just to take me really into a place of panic where I'm like, Heather, just breathe. Just breathe for a minute. Which Zach actually has a really cool watch that tells him when he's supposed to breathe. When we were hiking every once in a while, he would just stop and look at his watch and I'd be like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, it tells me I have to stop and breathe for a minute. I'm like, how cool is that? Um, but sometimes I feel like that, just overwhelmed, like I'm just out of breath, um, just too much to do. And sometimes I let my worries overtake me. And, you know, worry is the price you pay in advance for most things in life that will never happen. So when I have days that are filled with worries and to-dos, I wear this necklace to remind me of a lesson that God taught me. And this actually, it's a ring, and on it, it's Proverbs 3, 6. It says, in all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Some versions say, he will keep your path straight. The message version says, he will keep you on track. Well, we had a two-year adoption process from the Philippines. It actually took us two years, and about halfway through, we hadn't been matched with our kids yet, and it was time to renew all of our paperwork, jump through all of the hoops again, and we said, God, do you really want us to spend this time, this energy, this money on going through all of this again? Because you know it's not just the paperwork. Once we bring them home, it's a lifetime commitment of money and time and energy. Are you sure this is really what you have for us? And so God just really revealed this word to us. Acknowledge me. Acknowledge me and I will direct your path. I will keep you on track. And the cool thing is God said go for it. And within weeks of filling out that second paperwork, we were matched with our four amazing kids who are now home with us. So we're really excited about that. Um, but daily we need to be reminded that he is the one directing our path. I usually like to think about two to ten moves ahead in each one of my kids' lives. I want to make sure that the decisions I make or that I help them to make will make every single moment of their life perfect and amazing. And let me tell you, that's exhausting and it's not my job. That's why it's exhausting, because it's not my job. It is God's job. It is his job to direct their path. Not your pastor, not your mom, not the news. God will direct your path. Now God puts godly people in our lives to help us and to speak into our lives. Don't discount that. But above all, we have got to look to God to direct our paths. We have to acknowledge him. While we were on vacation in the mountains, I was in the van, Kenny was driving, and we were winding up and down these steep mountain roads of Skyline Drive, and we'd go around this twist and this turn, and I found myself gripping the door handle, which, of course, Kenny noticed and pointed out, and all the kids started laughing. So I'm gripping the door handle. Am I making any difference at all keeping that car on the road? I'm, like, worrying, and my adrenaline is rushing. Is that helping keep the car on the path at all? No, it's not. I just had to acknowledge Kenny and say, I trust you that you are going to direct this car. You're going to keep it on the path and get us to the goal. And we've got to do that. And like we've got to recognize that God is going to keep us on the path when we are acknowledging him and we are keeping our eyes on him. The worrying, the gripping of things is not going to help at all. 
keeping our eyes on him, letting God direct our path. Um, when we let go of our worry and we cast our cares on him. 1 Peter 5, 7 and Psalm 55, 22 talk about casting our cares onto him. So if you'd like to symbolically wear this necklace, this Proverbs 3 necklace, just declare after me. In all my ways, I will acknowledge you, God. You will direct my path. You will make my path straight. And you will keep me on track. I cast all my worry at your feet. And I leave it there. I trust you. So somewhere along the way in the Filipino adoption and adjusting to 11 kids, being a children's pastor, being a pastor's wife, I stopped taking care of myself. I quit exercising. I started stress eating. Love those chocolate chip cookies. And basically put everybody else's needs above my own. And it doesn't work well. I got too tired. I did not feel well. My body got really unhappy with me. My relationships started going, meow. Now you think if I was putting everybody's needs above myself, they would all be happy. But it doesn't work that way. Everything started going, meow. So after coming to my senses, I got this necklace. And it is a key. And it's stuck on here, but that's okay. So it's a key. And it is to remind me that the key to helping others is to take care of myself, that I need to be healthy. Because if I'm not healthy physically, spiritually, emotionally, then I am not effective. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Forgetting to take care of myself because I'm too busy to take care of others is a pattern that um, I find myself falling into periodically. And so I took some time to really think about this. What's the pitfall? Like what, would, what could I notice? Like what, what, what happens? What's the trigger to me falling into that, that pattern of letting myself just get unhealthy spiritually and emotionally and physically? So I spent some time with the Lord and just talked about that. And I'm just going to share what works for me. I know everybody has something that works for them, but here's some ideas of what works for me. It was three things. Number one, get enough sleep. Getting enough sleep, um, I would just quit doing because Kenny likes to stay up really late, like midnight, one in the morning. He just loves to stay up late. And the little boys, they're little. They like to get up really early. And they like to be super noisy when they get up. And so I was finding that I was staying up late with Kenny, getting up early with the boys, and it was, I just wasn't getting enough sleep. So I have an amazing husband, and he's been getting me to bed earlier, so thank you. So number one for me was getting enough sleep. Number two was starting my day with spiritual and physical exercise. I had to get up, spend time in the Word, spend time in prayer, and actually do some kind of exercise routine. That's what worked for me. And then number three was having a plan of what I was going to eat for the day and having that food prepped so that when you needed something easy to grab in the busyness, I would be grabbing the things that were healthy. So for me, that threefold of taking care of myself was getting enough sleep, starting my day with that spiritual and physical exercise, and having a plan and having things prepped um, for the day. So another key to my key was healthy boundaries. 
learning how to say no. It's really cool. I read this quote somewhere, and I couldn't find it to read it to you, but it says something like, um, how many questions kids ask their mom? And they had like this huge list. Mom, where's this? Mom, where's that? Mom, how about this? Mom, that's like this huge list. And then it said, and children ask their dad only one question. And that question is, where's mom? <laughs> and that is so true in our life. And I probably before breakfast, I will answer a thousand questions. And I guarantee you that I answered a thousand questions while I typed up my sermon. Because I had been taking notes all week and having everything ready. But when I sat down to put it all to paper, I'm in the kitchen. It's pouring down rain outside. So there's just constantly, you know, people in and people out. And um, it's a wonder that there's a complete thought at all that's coming out of my mouth right now. So a thousand questions just every day. And so um, I have had to learn how to say no. I am so a yes person. Kenny actually taught me the word no when we started dating because I said yes to everything that needed to be done in college. I went to a small, we went to a small Christian college and anything that needed to be done, I, okay, sure, yeah, sure. This is how bad it was. The football team's flag corps, do you know what flag corps is? They hold the flag and they twirl it around. They needed one more person in order to have a team. And they begged me, please, Heather, we have to have one more person, one more person. I said yes. I have never twirled a flag in my life. I have absolutely no rhythm whatsoever. I was terrible. Like when the flags were up, I was down. Like I was terrible at it. So Kenny helped me to learn the word no. But honestly, saying no still hurts. And it's probably because I worry too much about the opinions of others. And I just probably want everyone to be happy all the time. So I got this good quote. I actually think it's something that Jacob texted to Kenny that I managed to see. And it says something like this. You can't make everyone happy. You're not chocolate. And so sometimes when my kids are unhappy with the decision, I'll say, sorry, I'm not chocolate. <laughs> I'm not chocolate. And something probably even better than that is to remember is that we're not Holy Spirit. We don't have all the answers. We won't always make the perfect decision. But we go to him, and he will provide for all of our needs. I was talking to Lisa Moore this morning. We were talking about that. She's like, you know what? Sometimes you're just going to blow it. But so don't let that keep you from making a decision. Just go for it. Trust the Holy Spirit. Keep after him. Keep acknowledging him. Um, and I find that my best prayer time really is that praying in the spirit under my breath all day long. So when I'm faced with a decision or a concern that I'm just really not sure what to do with, that continually praying in the spirit brings calm and wisdom. So like if you just see me and I'm kind of by myself and my mouth is kind of going like this, it's just a prayer. It's just that prayer, continually praying in the spirit. Because sometimes I just don't have words. You know, I mean, we're raised, we've, got, we've got eight kids right now who are middle school, high school, or college. And I'm like, ooh, you know. Like, I just don't have words sometimes. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, just Holy Spirit, I'm just, I'm just going to let you pray. And I know you're going to take care of it. So continually praying in the spirit. And the other thing is you've got to know that you are loved and love yourself in order to love others. You need to know who you are, who you are in God. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? You've got to love yourself to know how to love your neighbor. But I want you to know today that you are seen and that you are known, that you are loved. 
So if you need this key like I did, this key over here, repeat after me. God, I will honor you by taking care of myself. I choose to be healthy and know who I am in God so I can help others. So this brings us to necklace number four, and this is the palm tree. Now, this palm tree for me represents rest. It reminds me of our house. When we bought our house, God said we were to name our house his place of rest. We've got a sign that says his place of rest. Kenny loves palm trees. He's bought four of them. They're all around our house. He named them. He talks to them. And I'm not joking. He loves his palm trees. Their names are Caroline, Esther, Samson, and David. And um, he compares them to other um, palm trees in the neighborhood when we're walking, how healthy his are in comparison. And he loves his palm trees. But even more important than that are his hammocks. We have eight hammocks out front. Actually, nine. One more came in the mail while we were away last week. He just keeps buying hammocks, and I think it's because he knows I need to rest. Um, rest comes from living in the presence. And when I mean that, I mean the presence, not just, not the past, not the future, the presence. And in his presence. In his presence. So I started taking better care of myself, represented by the key. I wore the key sometimes to help me remember on days that I knew were kind of busy. But I was still ministering out of busyness instead of rest. Zoom, zoom, zoom everywhere I went, right? Sunday morning. Zoom the trash out to the trash can. Run over here and get more toilet paper. Put it in here. Get the kids. Next, 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 next. Zoom, 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 zoom. And I was getting everything done. But in the process, there was no, there was not a peace in that. There was not a rest in that. It was just busyness. I was missing out on the relationships along the way. I was missing out on um, what Holy Spirit wanted to speak in the moment. Because I was so busy on my busyness not resting. So on a Saturday, a few weeks ago, I texted my sister, and I texted this. I actually went back and found it. Feeling at rest even while I work. I have been battling every day in my thoughts until I can rest while accomplishing my to-do list. His presence overshadowing every moment. And it was so cool. That was on a Saturday. So Sunday, I came to church, and Natasha came up to me, and she said, can I pray for you? And I said, absolutely. And she prayed the exact prayer in my heart. She prayed that I would be able to rest, that I would allow the Lord to do the work through me. And it so mirrored the prayer on my heart. It was such a testimony to the gathering together. I mean, it's like we're under a tropical storm warning, and look at you guys here. We have gathered together to encourage one another, and it's so important. She didn't even know my battle, but she prayed it. And I love those moments. It was a reminder to me that Jesus knew that I needed rest. And he confirmed it through Natasha's prayer. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Rest for your souls. One of my take-homes from the drop and done the other weekend was this chorus. I will rest in your promises 
My confidence is your faithfulness. I think I could preach a whole sermon just on that, right? I rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. Learning to live in the moment, trusting his promises and his faithfulness. Living in his presence, there is rest. So I had a picture um, when we were in the mountains. It was the dew was out. And I was like, oh, that looks refreshing. If my feet were dirty, I could probably get them cleaned off and that dew. But sometimes you just need to go under the waterfall. Just get drenched. Drink deeply and just drip. Not just get satisfied, but get to overflowing. And several of my kids actually got under a waterfall. I did not. It was really, really cold. Um, and they were drenched. They were dripping with this cool mountain water. So are you drenched? Are you dripping the presence of God today? I think after that worship, I got pretty drenched. That was pretty amazing. But I want you to think about what are you carrying into the atmosphere, into your house, into your job, into your ministry, even into the grocery store? Are you bringing rest and peace? Or are you bringing worry and busyness, anger and forgiveness? What did you contribute this morning to the atmosphere here at church? Did you contribute hope, encouragement, surrender? I just want to encourage you to put on the necklace of rest today, to lean back on the hammock under the palm tree of his presence and take a moment to consider what do you carry where the places you go. So just take a moment and think about what did you carry in here today? What are you going to carry this week as you walk into work, as you clean your toilets, as you make dinner, as you check out at the grocery store? What are you going to carry? So it got me thinking about what do I carry? And I find that what I carry depends on what I'm anchored in. So my most recent necklace is an anchor. And it's from Hebrews 6.19. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. When I am anchored in God's truth and declaring it, I am strong and steadfast. Each morning I start my day with daily declarations for my family. I name us all by name, which does take a while. Sometimes I speed through it. Um, and then I just state all the things I want gone. I want gone rebellion and immorality, God. I want God selfishness and unforgiveness. Um, I want gone any disease, manipulation, control, lying spirits, unloving, you know, all of that. So I want it gone. And then I just say, okay, Lord, I want to release in each one of us love and joy and peace, virtue, kindness, health, you know, releasing the things of God into their lives. And one morning, I was having a really rough morning. I was like, what is going on? I think I was actually talking to Pastor Nilsa. And I was like, oh. And then I realized, I, like, I didn't start my day with declarations. I got busy before I got anchored. I got busy before I got anchored. Doesn't really work well that way. It's really important what we're anchored in. What are we thinking? Because when we think right, we do right, and then we feel right. Being anchored in his presence, in his truth, in his word, that is our thinking, and it's crucial to what we do and how we feel. Where are we anchored? And I end each day praying Numbers 6, 24 to 26 with my kids. I think they all have it memorized, which is may the Lord bless us and protect us. 
May the Lord smile on us and be gracious to us. May he show us his favor and give us his peace. Prayers of God's truth and declarations, blessing and thankfulness will keep us anchored in his presence. Now with Hurricane Matthew, we live down at Carolina Beach, so we saw some pretty interesting things getting anchored down. Basketball goals, we anchored ours down, I think. Kenny kind of took care of all that. Um, anchoring down trampolines and boats were anchored down. We even saw somebody had anchored down their HVAC units. Like outside of their house was like anchored. They were like, if we keep electricity, we're having air conditioning, right? All these things were anchored down from the storm. So when the hurricane hits, like kids whining and complaining, or your job gets crazy, or your truck gets halfway up the bridge and starts making terrible noises, and you have to turn around and switch cars. That happened to us this morning. Um, if your car won't start, what are you anchored to? What comes out? Is it complaining or thankfulness? Are your eyes on your circumstance or on heaven? I don't know about you, but I want to be known as someone who can ride out the storm with peace and with rest, trusting in the Lord. So what or who are you anchored in? Now, unlike that hurried anchoring that takes place before a hurricane, because we, we were in the mountains, so we had to get up. We got up at 6 a.m., which is really early for me, and got those kids all loaded up, got out by 7.15. We were heading out of the mountains and to get home in order to anchor everything down, get it all anchored down before the storm hit. But with the Lord, we don't want that hurried anchoring before we see a storm maybe rising up ahead. We want our anchoring to take time. We want to press into that anchoring with the Lord because sometimes we don't know when a storm will arrive. We don't know what our day will hold. So we want to practice starting every day firmly anchoring ourselves in God's presence and in his truth. So remembering to anchor. So just take a moment right now and just think about what are you anchored in? Are you anchoring just when you see a storm approaching? Or are you taking that, that time before your day starts to get anchored? Well, in conclusion, the necklace I have on is actually from my mama, and it says love. And it reminds me to keep my love on at all the time. Psalm 105 says, For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness will continue through all generations. So I just want to encourage you guys to think about what are ways for you to remember your aha moments. The times that God has shown you really important truths or he's been super faithful to you. Obviously, necklaces became mine. Kenny's is journaling. Eliana's is making her um, video. Maybe it's note cards that you write things down or a record in the Bible, pictures on your wall. Whatever it is, I encourage you to pick something and remember to continue to walk out the truth that God reveals to you. So he's been faithful to me. Through Galatians 2.20, letting Christ live in me, walking in surrender. Through Proverbs 3.6, acknowledging him and letting him direct my path, letting him keep me on track. The key to remind me that my body is his temple, that taking care of myself so I can take care of others. 
a palm tree to help me to remember the importance of living from rest, the importance of living from his presence. And finally, the anchor, that I am anchored in him, that I am declaring his truth with thankfulness.